Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Let's just stand. Would you welcome my good friend, our family friend of the house, Abner Suarez. Thank you, Jesus. How about stretching your hands towards him right now? I just, uh, someone made a comment to me this morning. It says, man, he's getting deep. It's awesome. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed the teaching last night. It was, it was really woven well together with all the scriptures of identity. And so I want to invite uh, um, right now, Megan, if you'll come. She had a word on identity that I think she should share. I don't know exactly what Abner's going to share this morning. Yeah. But I just felt, um, as I was praying for you this morning, I saw um, the dust of nations on your shoes. I know you've been ministering in Africa and all that, but there's a whole lot more nations. The dust of the nations will now be in your shoelaces, on your feet. And the Lord is pleased with the the fact that you bring the good news, uncompromising good news. So, Lord, I just pray for Abner, Lord. We thank you. We bless his life. We, We ask that you'd open doors for him that he never imagined would be open for him. Close the ones that would just uh, take his time or his energy that are not not part of the profitability of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, we bless our friend Abner now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, appreciate it. Really do uh, consider you guys part of my extended family. You can be seated. I want to thank the staff at Global. Oh, you have something? Go ahead. Share that. (laughs) I didn't want to cut you off. No, you go ahead. Good morning. Um, So last night during worship, I got a word, and some of you probably were looking over here at me because I was typing like a mad woman, but this is my notepad (laughs) when the Lord speaks, but he spoke on, I had no clue what Abner was going to speak on last night, but the Lord really, really touched on identity last night, and this morning, even in that song, when it says, we adore you, the Lord sang that back And I wanted you guys to know that he sang that back to you guys, saying that he adores us. Um, So the word that I got last night was, God is calling you to step into the identity that he has called you to, not the identity that your mother, father, brother, friend, or neighbor has called you into. He is calling you into the identity that the heavenly father has called you into. False expectations and false realities are dead in the name of Jesus. You are called for a higher purpose and not for the purpose that your friend or neighbor wants to use and abuse you for. Your purpose is to be used for the glory of God and not for the glory of others. Your purpose is to be used to bring people to God and not to bring people away from God. Walk in the identity that the Heavenly Father has called you into. Amen. Thank you. We receive that. Thanks. I was going to say thanks, uh, Pastor Tom, Pastor Willie. It was really a partnership we couldn't do without. Thanks for all the volunteers, Pastor Terry, for helping us this weekend. just want to recognize Ruth for being here all this weekend and ministering. <laughs> thanks for all the people on the prayer line who are here. If you're on the prayer line, why don't you just stand? just want to honor you. If you're not sure you're on the prayer line, that means you're not. So, yeah, we bless you guys. We thank you for everything you put in, and we just ask for a fresh filling. 
And uh, we really appreciate you. You know, sometimes um, I, I just forget to do these things. And it's on my heart. I just focus sometimes on... Anyway, so thank, we do, I do thank Global River and thank for everyone who came. How many were here all weekend? I thought the same thing when I got up this morning. I'm like, how long have I been in Wilmington? <laughs> sometimes I wake up places that I got to like, where am I? I do sometimes. I'm in North Carolina this morning, so it's good to be in North Carolina. It is God's country. I do say around the world, I say God is everywhere, but he lives in North Carolina. Yeah, you should believe that. You should believe that. Um, quickly, uh, I didn't, we were supposed to have a video on it real quick, but uh, I think I was supposed to go to six countries this year, and uh, a lot of that got shut down. Still made it to Rwanda, but I have an opportunity, and you have an opportunity if you'd like to come with us uh, the first week of December uh, to the Dominican Republic, be part of a team there. Yeah. There you go, Pastor Ruth. It's going to be my first time. My dear friend Adam Levecki is leading the team, and he called me about three weeks ago. He's like, do you want to go to me? I said, well, let me pray about it. So first week of December, it's going to be wonderful. Uh, I was like, ah, I don't know. Let me pray. And the Lord's like, I, you know, when you're called to do it. So you can be a part of that. And then we have a resource table uh, back there. Didn't get to talk much about it uh, just because of the focus of the meetings. But I have a two series back there. One called Prophetic Clinic, which is basically the biblical basis uh, for uh, God's prophetic people in the earth. And it's, it's, it's a prophetic God, so you have prophetic people. And there's a divine connection between hearing, speaking, and releasing what God has. So that's a biblical basis for that. And then uh, also probably maybe like I'd call this step two, prophetic intensive. And uh, that's one where I just talk about how the Lord opened my eyes to see. And that uh, the thing that I'm continually learning is that the unseen realm defines a seen realm. And uh, if we can learn how to just cooperate with God, even Jesus uh, in this elementary teaching to Nathaniel in John uh, chapter 1 he, 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 he says to Nathaniel, he goes, before, he goes, I saw you before. And Nathaniel's like, oh, my gosh, how did you see me before under the tree? And he goes, oh, you think that's a big deal? If you believe, you'll see heaven open, the angels of God descend and descend. So the revelation is always Jesus Christ, but he speaks of that unseen realm. And he's saying, so if you believe, what I want to teach you is about the unseen realm so you can affect the seen realm. I'm a practical person. I, 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 am, I am not, um, how do you say this? I don't like to just get caught, oh, that's nice. I saw a bird, you know, he's flying through the sanctuary. Like, that's really nice. But I'm going, what does that mean and how does that apply to the world we live in? You know, so... That, that learning to cooperate to produce that is one of the things on God's heart. And so that's why I touched even last night just a little bit that we have to, uh, I believe, even switch our language. And even sometimes when people testify about the things of God, they go, I know this is really weird. No, it's normal. What is, what, what is dysfunctional from heaven's perspective is to live on earth with mountain-moving faith, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and never produce anything except intellectual 
expressions. That's what's dysfunctional. To never trust God for something beyond what is possible in your own strength. That's what's dysfunctional. And that's what's, what, what helps hinder us in our representation to the world around us. All right. Why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, just lift your hands as a sign of surrender. Father, we thank you for today. <laughs> thank you, Lord. This is the day you've made, and you're the teacher. So thank you for fresh oil, and thank you that you told us you would guide us, not into some truth, but all truth. So teach us your ways. Not our pet doctrines, not what we like to hear, but what we need to hear. Adjust us, change us, deliver us from all dysfunction that we think is normal. And Lord, thank you for the hammer from heaven that breaks a deaf and dumb spirit that keeps people ignorant. In the name of Jesus, ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, without you, I can't do anything, but with you, I can do all things. Thank you again that this is Bethel. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is the place angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man. Let it be truth upon truth, precept upon precept, and let faith arise. Faith arise, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So we ask again for words from heaven that change earth. We thank you for all the gifts of the Spirit being in operation. The Lord's just healing somebody's lower back, going right through your back, and it's like something with your nerves and your legs, and the Lord just says, be healed now. Be healed. Let all the gifts of the Spirit be in operation. And Lord, we'll give you great praise. Thank you for giving us the ability to be ambassadors for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I felt to... Uh, kind of continue along the lines of where we started last night, uh, the subject of revelation, and just again to prophetically declare for God's people, this is a season of unprecedented revelation. And God is a God who operates in times and seasons, and without season changes in the earth, the earth could not be as God intended it to be. And so God is a God of seasons and changes, and understanding and discerning that is really important. One of the things that we can discern is that this generation is highly favored and highly blessed because the Lord is giving us access to things that no other gener previous generation had the ability to access. And we, we understood that God is a God of revelation, and that he moves by revelation and by wisdom when he acts in history, and man can only know God unless he reveals himself to them. And one of the things about God operating in revelation, we looked at it last night, is that when God moves in faith, he believes everything he says will come to pass. Why does he believe he, what he's saying will come to pass? Because it's, it's based on the integrity of his own word. Now, we know that about God. We've got a lot of amens for that. Now, put yourself in that and, and believe this, that God wants you to believe everything you say and you believe about him. 
Because it's based on the same concept of his integrity. You are not God, but you are in Christ and have the authority and the privilege to speak what he's saying. That's why you and I have that privilege of calling things be not as though they are because they will be. And you cannot separate God from his word. My word and I are what? One. So he reveals to men by revelation. And we, we, we also saw that he, he gives us knowledge and understanding through our senses, but the senses are limited. In fact, the Babylonian system exists to distort the senses. And man operates from that place. The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. What? It's a distortion of the sensory knowledge that one of the ways we were supposed to receive information. That the enemy is not a creator. He simply distorts what God has already put in the earth. He's, not, he's never had an original idea. So revelation is that, we'll, we'll define it again, that which is revealed appropriately, the disclosure of truth to men by God himself. The revelation vocabulary in both the Old and New Testament, and again, when we speak about revelation, we're not going beyond the word, but as we practice the truth of the word, we grow in truth, and we can only have understanding by practicing the truth that he's revealed to us. You cannot grow in trusting God unless you trust God. Or else it's just, I trust God. (laughs) I thought I had faith until he asked me to do that. You're like, oh my, you know, I'm a man of faith. And they're like, whoa, Jesus. You want me to do what? <laughs> the covering eye of ideas to make obscure things clear. And, and, and we also said last night that in man we were born with this innate curiosity to be governed by revelation. Children are naturally curious. I'm a naturally curious person. I ask a lot of questions. Why, why are the lights like this in this room? Why is that person, I, this is how I think. Why is that person wearing blue? Why did they say what they say? I find people's language will eventually locate what they're really saying. And usually when they're saying, I'm not saying it because of this, they're saying exactly because of that. <laughs> because out of the abundance of the mouth, the, the heart speaks. You cannot hide what you really believe because eventually you'll say it. What did Jeremiah say? Call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. That's actually a statement to me of how God has created us. There's a longing in everyone to continually discover things in God that's hidden for them, not hidden from them. What I've learned, though, is a lot of people, and, and Miles Monroe was great at saying this. He said, he said the, 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 mo, the, the most horrific place in the earth is the cemetery because that's where things have died and will never come to life that God intended to come to life. They left simply existing in the heart of God for people, but people never apprehended them. bringing hidden things to light, and we're in, a, we're in a season of divine exposure, showing signs, speaking words, and causing the persons to be addressed to hear, 
to see, hear, perceive, understand, and know. How many know what that's like? One moment you're like, you don't know you're blind until you see God. I always say, you don't know how dumb you are until you get born again. No, that's actually an important point because I think a lot of people don't realize that. I'm 42 years old. I do not bring a picture of me from the day I got born again. Get this. Why? Because the day I was born is significant, but it does not define the day that I live in. Think about that. Well, I was born again. I was born December 9th, 1977. Well, whoopie doopie doo. You're 42 now. Your life is not defined by the day you got born again. Your life is defined by what you have done the day after you got born again. What have you done with all the resources of the kingdom that have been opened to you? And then he says, you actually never graduate from the mindset from the day you were born again. That's what Jesus taught, right? Unless you are like a child, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Children, if they are born in in correct environments, don't tell their parents what to do. But many people superimpose their ideas upon God after they've got born again, and they want to tell them, tell him how they're supposed to live their life. And they got enough religiosity to sound good. I don't know why I'm saying that, but... The, the point is, a child needs to be taught. Many people don't realize their need to be instructed by God after they've gotten born again. And they keep telling us they got born again. Well, whoopie doopie doo. <laughs> that does not define your maturity. Being born again for 20 years does not define maturity. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit for 25 years does not define maturity. Walking in miracles does not define maturity. Walking in maturity is the ability to live in the character and the nature of God on an upgraded continual basis and being able to define the world you live in by the God who lives on the inside of you, by forgiving well, by trusting well. By, these, are, these are what defines mature. I know people have been born again two years that are more mature, unfortunately, than people who have been born again 20 years. And the sad thing is many of them think they know something and they got poopy diapers on and they're 20 years old with so poopy diapers on. That's not funny anymore. It's, it's funny, maybe the first six months, but 20 years later, you're still having trouble forgiving your aunt or your mom. Because there's, I guess the reason I'm saying that is there's an invitation to maturity. So Revelation, we said, has two focal points. God's purposes and God's purpose, person. God's, uh, God's purpose and God's person. I want to look here this morning at this, uh, at Zacharias, who gets an insight into God's purposes and, and how he responded to that moment and God revealing himself to him. Look at um, moving different places here. So look at um, 
Luke chapter 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, certain priests named Zacharias of the division of Abihai with his wife of his daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God and walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Those are two verses that are really, really interesting. Notice they're righteous, they're doing what God said, and they, uh, they in the natural, there's nothing that lines up with them that they're going to have a child. So it was while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he was in the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of the incense, and Zacharias saw him, and he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. We said one of the things that uh, God does when he reveals himself to us, it causes us to see the majesty of God. And you see this here. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer, for your prayer is heard. Now your, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, now this is brilliant right here. This is really good news for Zacharias. Check out this word that he gets. And, and you will have joy. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall neither, uh, neither wine nor strong drink. He's going to be classic Pentecostal. He will also be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> I don't drink either, you know. <laughs> He'll be filled with the Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, and he will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the, uh, to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Then Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years." And the angel answered and said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which would be fulfilled in their own time. Wow. And the people waited for Zacharias, and he marveled and lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of, of his service were complete, then he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying... Let's look at a little background. It's really important, I believe, to this story. Zacharias' name in the Hebrew actually means God remembered. He's a first century priest, obviously married to Elizabeth and a descendant of, uh, of Aaron. Most uh, commentators would tell you they're an elderly couple who had no children. Uh, just being in ministry... Over the years now, I can usually pretty quickly discern when I'm praying for people when a woman cannot have a child. It, it, the enemy tries to do something when someone cannot conceive, and I can usually pick it up right away. It's a place of despair many times. So here's what's really interesting. Zacharias is a priest. 
He is in right standing with the Lord. He is operating correctly. And you will see that the angel says, sir, your prayers have been heard. So he's actually praying a prayer that he could have a child. He is praying. He is believing God for the impossible because physically this would be completely impossible. And the angel comes to him. This is the man who is called God remembered, and he comes to him. But when he comes to him, Zacharias goes, ain't no way. <laughs> he has revelation that his prayer will be answered, but Zacharias has forgotten his identity in God because your name defines part of your identity, and he has also forgotten who God is for him. He is actually, this is even more interesting, he is actually asking and trusting God for something he does not believe can take place. And he is serving God, yet does not understand a vital aspect of the nature of God, and it is this, I'm the God who hears, I'm the God who answers, and I'm the God who does the impossible. So this is an interesting scenario, and I don't say it to criticize him. I just say it to learn, that you can actually be praying prayers, operating right. It doesn't say like, oh, he had some sin in his life, so he couldn't get it. He's a righteous man, praying correctly. Yet when that angel comes to him, that's revel. Think about that. The reason I emphasize, think about how amazing that prophecy is. And it can't be any clearer because he realizes this guy's like, oh, oh. <laughs> He's like, don't worry. This is the Lord. I came from God. Sometimes working with people, they're like, you know, if, if God would just show me really clearly, he's going to do this. Can't get any clearer, can't get any greater revelation than an angel Lord. And Gabriel always seems to got the best messages. What's the point? We get the, the, best, the, the best assignments. The point of me saying this is there is obviously a place of brokenness and trauma in his heart that he has an inability to receive the message and the revelation God wants to give him. So there's something in his heart. And don't ever think about what the angel tells him. He, he immediately looks at his natural circumstances. No, we're old. I know you've been praying even when you're old. He tells him. What does he tell him? He says, you won't be able to speak. I want to suggest to you there was such unbelief even at this revelation he's receiving, that if he was to open his mouth, he would probably abort what God wanted to give him. Even though he is believing God, there's something in his heart that could have aborted what God wanted to give him.
on the outside, he continues to serve and perform his priestly duty, but within his heart, there are issues that defines how God will relate to him. This should have been one of the greatest moments of his life, but it's like, and, and, and thank, thank God, God didn't throw him away. He just says, all right, I go. Gabriel, tell him he can't talk because it's so bad. <laughs> we love him so much. We want to answer this prayer for him, but that fool cannot say anything else, you know? <laughs> We're going to answer this despite his stupidity, you know. I've been there, you know. Thank God. But my point in bringing that up is this. There's this thought that been, that's been rolling around me for about a year and a half now, and it's this. It's what's on the inside of you that defines you. Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And we touched on this last night. This is what Jesus said. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may do, that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God that you believe, that you believe in him who he sent. Mark chapter 16, these signs will follow what? Those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink... Anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Notice he points to their belief system as the defining characteristic of how they will behave. There, there's this idea in me that I've been developing now for years, and it's that no one's behavior is in a vacuum. It is all the result of how you think. How you react to situations is a result of an internal belief system that you have already established. That's why when you are faced, and God, this is what I, God is incredibly practical. So if you have uh, an area of your heart that has an ability, uh, an inability to respond with self-control, with righteousness, what he will do is often he will not tell you you lack self-control. He will put you in a situation where he demonstrates your lack of self-control. But the, the key to begin to understand the areas of trauma that God wants to heal is forsaking all. The reason I say that is because the, Peter, we don't discover how big a mouth Peter has until he forsakes all and follows God. Sometimes people think, I got it now that I've forsaken all. No, you're just in the introductory period to learning to become mature and discerning all the dysfunction that's in your heart. And that's a key part because people, many people have said the sinner's prayer, but they have not truly forsaken all. And I've noticed it's not just a one-time decision. It's a daily decision of presenting your body as a living sacrifice. I'm here. My life is no longer my own. And thank you, Lord, that you've given me the ability to say yes to you. But I have to make that choice. And so today I make that choice to be in you, to surrender to you. And I am yours to come. Life doesn't get any fun until you do that. It really doesn't. It's, it, it's all safe to that point. 
and no one can serve two masters. You will actually secretly despise God when you refuse to completely surrender to him. Because he gets in the way of doing what you really want to do. So in the Bible, the heart refers to the center or the middle of something. When the Bible, when Scripture refers to heart, it's referring to the human heart. Very few is actually the biological idea of the heart. It's referring to the inside of here. 814 references to the human heart. Very few have the biological organ in mind. The heart represents the idea of the will of human choices. 1 Samuel 24, 5. 2 Samuel 24, 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. If you want to look at those later. Volition. The act of willing. The act of determining. The heart is the center of decisions. It's where people receive God's word. It's where conversion takes place, right? With the mouth, one confesses. With the heart, one believes. That's why I don't, don't ever think like you're doubting just because you've had these, like, oh, God, I don't know if it's going to work. That's just thoughts that are in the intellect, but your heart goes, I know what God has said. Yeah. Yeah. The heart's function is a source of thought and reflections. It highlights its intellectual ca ca uh, capacities. To hold the truth in one's heart is to understand it fully in a way that will impact one's life. Conversely, when people do not take something to heart, they fail to understand it in a matter that actually makes a difference in their life. The heart provides wisdom to rule justly. 1 Kings 3, verse 12. These are, this is all in Scripture. I'm just giving you some of them. Uh, 1 Kings 10, verse 24. It discerns good and evil. In it, sometimes what I teach on this, we look at both the story of Zacharias and Mary. In Luke's story of the birth of, of Jesus, what, what does it say about Mary? She treasured all these things in her heart and she pondered them. This is an indication she had an intent on understanding these things in a profound and a significant way. Excuse me. As the seed of understanding, the heart is the focus of one's imagination. In Acts chapter 2, verse, 30, uh, verse 37, what did it say when Peter taught? They were cut to the heart. Side note, you're about to see messengers in America with apostolic words on the things they speak that cut people to the heart of who God is. The matter of the heart is a spiritual matter, not a physical or literal one. In Jesus' parable of the sower, the word of God is sown into the heart, right? He says in John that out of a believer's heart will flow what? Rivers. Ephesians 3 verse, 15, verse 17 speaks of Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. Our heart defines our behavior. Our behavior defines the fruit we produce in the earth. The goal of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit is to make us like him. Look at uh, Matthew 9. This is really interesting right here. We know that Jesus is fully God, fully man. But he does not perform miracles 
or do the ministry that God's called him to do simply because he's a son of man. He, he doesn't do anything until, right, until he is anointed of the Holy Spirit. What are you? Anointed of the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Spirit and what? Called. What are you? Called. Called just like Jesus. What does he say before he leaves the earth? He breathes upon them the Holy Spirit. And he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So the very same position that Jesus had, you had the ability to have. And that's the reason I'm setting up this story. Look at this story in Matthew 9, verse 20. When I, 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 I've had a rethinking, and there's some truth to how I've originally understood this, but there's another idea that I believe is the goal of God. And it was that this woman is reaching for Jesus, obviously, but when she's reaching for him, she, she is reaching for him not as the son of God, but as the son of man. Think about this. When he dies and resurrects and he comes back to earth and explains things of the kingdom for 40 days, he never, the Bible never records him as a miracle, doing a miracle. Why? Because he is now glorified and he has forfeited himself as the son of man so he cannot violate God's principle of operating in the earth as a man. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. She's touching him not as the son of God, I believe. She's touching him as the son of man. So I want to suggest to you there is something in, he's obviously perfect, but he also tells us, be perfect as I am perfect. There's something in Jesus' internal system that is so full of what God, of God on the inside of him, God indwelling in man, that when she touches him, she receives what only God can give humanity. There's a place that God invites us with the sanctification of our hearts, without even saying things that God wants to touch the environment around us by people simply touching us. For she said to herself, notice there too, she said to herself, she said on the inside of her, what was on the inside of her came out of the words she spoke, and the words she spoke, she got exactly what she was believing God for. Jesus became the point of contact for her to receive her miracle. Yes, God is the one who did the miracle, but he was operating that miracle through a son of man. If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said... Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. What did Jesus teach us? The kingdom of God is within you. Healing is within you. Life is in you. Deliverance is in you. And the woman was made well from that hour. I throw this out there not to suggest that 
neither I nor anyone has arrived, but to say we have to look at certain goals that Jesus is inviting us into. That there's a sanctification, a positioning of our hearts where what is on the inside of us can define people on the outside of us who are in need. If we are to imitate Jesus, which is the command. Notice it's the command. It's, it, as, as Americans, sometimes we think uh, we, there's a tendency to think, not you, the person next to you. There's a tendency to think that he, it's like a suggestion. God is not suggesting anything. But notice where, where you choose to believe that's a suggestion or you can't do it, you will, you will, you will, uh, you will short-circuit your ability to be a proper ambassador of him. Why do I believe in prosperity? Because part of my job in the earth is to be a resource house for other people. As a disciple, I am to be a resource house for other people. The most selfish thing I can ever be is just believe just enough for myself and my own ministry. That's selfish. By the way, God's not going to be selfish with you when you get to heaven. There's no small houses there. He only talks about mansions. That's, that's like, well, I just want a little cottage on the other side. There's no cottages. I didn't create. Don't get mad at me. Because he's extravagant in how he thinks. God, you know, this is your home. Are there any cottages? No, they don't exist here. This ain't right. Why do I believe in miracles? Because Jesus does not the will of God is for people not to be sick and in disease. Why do we believe in, in giving people the word of God, the word of God, the word of the Lord? Why? Because the word of God is what brings change, and we call them into their destiny. Those, all those things to be a disciple. Why do we choose when people say unkind things, not you. I know there's not anyone in this room. And love them. Why? Because we get to bless those who persecute us. Amen. Why do, why do, why do, what's, what's so brilliant about feeding the poor that you do here? Why? Because when you do it to the least of them, you do it unto me. Amen. In any one of those places that you don't take that as a command from the Lord, you're living a dysfunctional life as a disciple. And the truth is, any reason we have not for surrendering before God, those will not register before God. Well, you know, I just had a really, it's just been really tough. I know. I came to help you through tough. I'm not diminishing any pain you've gone through. Some of the things that have, I've listened to people's stories and ministry, it's painful. But also, I refuse to let people continue to be victims. Oh, you're 42 now. Just give up. The 
posture of surrender is the key that unlocks our heart to be as God intended. Posture of surrender is a posture of the heart. This is Jesus' attitude, and this is what he wants us to embrace. John chapter 4. Jesus said to them, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So he likens doing what the fathers called them to do to eating food in the natural. Some of you are already hungry. You're hoping I will finish soon. (laughs) You should eat breakfast. (laughs) He tells us, we know, we start getting hungry. He likens Food. He always would liken many kingdom principles or many kidding mindsets to things of the natural. We know we can't go very long without food. And he goes, this is like doing what God the Father has asked me to do is like eating food for my life. And he's just like us, isn't that? It's just always find it interesting that Jesus was exactly like us, except that he never sinned, obviously. And he wasn't born into sin. But he's got this thing that we do, we have. It's called choice. But he gives us these declarations of how he thought. He goes, no one takes my life from me. The devil did not kill Jesus. He said, no one takes, so that means he's got a free will. But then he goes, apart from you, I can do nothing. I think he's trying to teach us about how to think. Apart from you, I can do nothing. My food is to do the will of my Father in heaven. Lord, thank you that I'm living in this earth right now, but I know this this is the shortest part of my existence. And so one day, when I finish my life on this earth, I want to maximize everything you've ever told me to do, and I want to use all the resources you've given me. Not only that, here's the thing. I've learned this. We do not just get judged for what we did. We'll get judged even for the reasons for why we did them. It's like, oh, you, that was right. Then you got a little off because you want to tell everyone about it. So that's burned up. That's <laughs> why the Apostle Paul Praise this. Therefore, Ephesians 1, also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes, older trans, old, older manuscripts of the New King James say, say this, that the eyes of what? Your heart. Your heart has eyes and ears. Understanding, being light, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to those who believe according to the working of his mighty power. The Holy Spirit has promised to guide us into all truth. Now, here's the really good news. A truly sincere heart will always be guided correctly. 
Doesn't mean you might not make a mistake, but that's the positioning. Like, you might miss a turn here and there, but then go. I, I remember uh, last year I was at a church in uh, uh, Laredo, Texas. By the way, the, the, the Hispanics there, they want a wall. But that's a different story. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there in case you're wondering. <laughs> But I felt like the Lord asked me to do something, and it was like a youth meeting or something. And uh, I was like, well, that didn't quite turn like I thought it did. And the Lord just shows me, he goes, you did what I told you, but you assumed this, so you missed a turn here. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to go back around and get it right. I said, got it, boss. <laughs> if you miss a turn, Lord, forgive me. Boom, get right back on that track. A truly sincere heart will always be guided correctly. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you, what? Into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And here's the relevatory, uh, a part of the relevatory, uh, excuse me, part of the relevatory function. And he will tell you things to come. We talked a little bit last night of how God gives us truth in degrees and how he grows us in truth as we practice truth and how he builds truth upon truth and he he builds the hidden man of the heart but as we practice truth and as we do what he tells us it is also cause to help us adjust to what we've experienced look at uh, mark the sixth chapter Thank you, Miss Abby. I appreciate it. I got to bring you other places with me. <laughs> they look at me strange sometimes. Look at verse 33, just for the sake of time. Pick up the story in the middle of the story. But the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. And they arrived before and came together. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like a sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, there's a deserted place and the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding countries and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So the elders were giving Jesus some very good advice. That's true. It's like free good of like. There's no McDonald's. And this is what Jesus always does. He usually will give you revelation that does not match up with how you're thinking it should go. He didn't say you couldn't have his thoughts. He just said, my thoughts are your thoughts, so you're the one who has to change. No, it's true. You know what really helps me? Maybe I've said this before, but what really helps me when God talks to me, I just always keep this in mind. The guy who doesn't know anything is talking to the guy who knows everything. Just really helps me. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why, how's this going to work? It And the guy who doesn't know anything is talking to the guy who knows everything. 
But he said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Now, now notice, this is really important when we're walking with the Lord. He didn't change what he said. Just because it's impossible doesn't mean he changed his mind. Here's another thing I'm learning. Just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not God. Oh, he is in the business of making you highly uncomfortable. <laughs> he really, I've told the Lord, this, this is uncomfortable. He said, please do what I ask you to do. Yes, sir. And you'll notice, too, he will use what they already have available. This is a principle in the kingdom. You don't think it's possible, but he's, over, he's, he's going to use what you have in your hand if you will be governed by the revelation he gives you to do what is... If you will use the revelation... Start again. If you will use the wisdom that he's given you to, already, to, to do with what you already have in your hand, you will see the birth of miraculous things. How many loaves do you have? Five and two fishes. As long as the earth remains. Seed time, harvest time. And he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So he, they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. Notice that when we're cooperating with God and moving by revelation, he doesn't go, I'm here, I'm taking over. What do you got? Give it to me. It's not enough. Give it to me. Praise it. Notice that it is still the same quantity when he gives it back to them. It's multiplied in their hands because Jesus touched it. That's, I, I've noticed that's so what it's like to walk with the Lord. You're like, this does makes no sense to me, but I'm going to give this to you. That's, that is my life. This makes no sense. But here's my one little life. It's yours. And he divided among them all. So he divides even what he has among them. This is the beauty of it, though, because he gives it back to them, and then they start giving them to the people, and boom, 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 boom. Thousands are being fed. The whole point of that story is, is, is what I mean. I've experienced this many times. You're like, this is supernatural. This is not of this world. And you're making me a participant in it. And people are like, that's amazing. I'm going, apart from you, I can do nothing. So they all ate and were filled. They all ate and were filled. They all ate and were filled. Notice there's always an overflow. And they took up the 12 baskets full of fragments, full of fish. The other gospels obviously tell about the little boy. 
Imagine the little boy when he comes home, he's got all this food. All I gave you was five loaves and two fishes. I know, but when you give it to Jesus, you always got more than enough. Some of you need to fill up that pantry. You're like, well, we don't even know where we're going to have it. If you take care of God's business, God will make sure your business is taken care of. Now, those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men, which may be 10,000 people, right? So, they experienced something, and this is what I've learned. When you experience something, they participate in a miracle. God's amazing, awesome, miracle-working God. Miracle-working God. Your heart is to, put, is to be recalibrated in that moment. It's supposed to change the moment, the moment you've seen something that is not of this world. Look at verse 45. Immediately his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethesda while he sent the multitude away. And when he sent them away, he departed into the mountain to pray. When, they came, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and it was alone on land. Then he saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was ghosts and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up in the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves, because what? their heart was hardened. The reason I'm, re I'm reading that is because when we see things and expressions of God's power and God's power operates through our hands, there's an opportunity to begin to adjust our hearts and begin to see reality differently from that place we have seen the miraculous in. Do not waste God's miraculous interventions in your life. They did everything correctly in that moment except learn to appreciate the moment to let them, to let them move ahead. Notice there's a reason Mark puts that in the very next story. He, what did he say? We're going to the other side. And I want to suggest to you, too, that it was not Jesus' intention to, to rebuke the storm. He probably wanted them to take the authority he had already given them to rebuke that storm. Why? Why, why, do, we know that? why do we know that they had authority to do that? Because he told them, you're going to the other side. If the storm kills them, they're not going to go to the other side. So the positioning of their heart didn't change. Notice again, Jesus doesn't throw them away. But there's a place that they could have stepped into another place of understanding the authority of God that God wanted to give them. So we'll land the plane here. Here's some questions, real simple questions. Have you made a decisive decision to allow truth the truth of God's word and God's voice to govern every part of your life. I love in the kingdom that in the kingdom you do not achieve, but you receive. We can only receive properly through submission. 
Here's, here's a way you can gauge that. Does fellowship with God have first place in your life? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And there is no, I've learned this, there's no deliverance from this world system without seeking first. You can't really be delivered from the things of this world. When you're faced with a situation, do you ask yourself, what does the word of God say? Sometimes I pray for people, you know, I'm just going through a really hard time. I said, great. Not great, but, you know, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. It's the first thing I say. What scripture are you standing on? Well, it's just really bad. What scripture are you standing on? It's just really bad. It's going to get worse if you don't get a scripture. <laughs> we just really like to see if God has something to say. What scripture are you standing on? He said it 2,000 years ago. Sorry. Not really sorry. But just, you know, we have to think about these things and take responsibility for our, for, for our own development. That's part of maturity. You have taken responsibility. You're not blaming it on anyone else. You're not, you, you, you're not living in fatalism. Well, you, you know, just these things happen. They happen, but you got authority to change them. You can't decide what will happen to you, but you can decide what the Word of God can do in your life. When faced with contrary actions and behavior... And, and, and how God intends you to live, are you identifying the lies that you've believed? Okay. Yeah, I would say, uh, God is incredibly practical. So, uh, let me give you an example. Uh, I'm almost through, but I've been here all weekend. <laughs> so, I'm good to go, and I slept well last night, really well. I'm going in for a tune-up tomorrow with Pastor Tom. <laughs> he might help bring adjustment, so. But, yeah. So, uh, maybe eight, nine years ago, I think eight, nine years ago, yeah, I'm flying from New York. I'd been up late. A friend of mine had gotten married, so I'm flying from New York to another country Sunday morning. And, uh, the lady at the counter was not nice to me. So she reaped what she sowed from me. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's what happened. So what I'm saying is contrary thoughts and behaviors come to the surface. And I'm, walk, I'm backing away from the counter, and I go, something's wrong with me. That is, this is not right. I told her to forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm going, to, I'm going on a missions trip. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So, here's a question that you can help out. Lord, where did this come from? Is there a trauma that I've experienced in my life that has caused my heart to react to this situation like it is. I repented, told it to one of my best friends. I said, I want you to come into agreement that this never happens again in my life. It's not. I can testify. 
Now, I've gotten close. <laughs> Not going to lie. Yeah. I'm getting very challenged these days with the mask announcement on planes. I get it. Wear a mask. I get it. I get it. Nine times in an hour and a half, though? I'll work through that tomorrow. <laughs> you can be assured that behind these masks are smiles. I don't think so. <laughs> They're all miserable like the rest of us. <laughs> Here's another one. Do you allow others to speak into your life? We hear God. And there are things in your life you will never discover about who you are and where God's taking you without allowing others to speak into your life. That's why it's so important. Listen, there is a clear anti-Christ rebellion in America right now. But we better be careful as the people of God. Before we point it at the world, it points right back at the body of Christ. People cut fellowship. People leave places. And people, well, I don't understand why the leadership did this and all these stuff. And, and I'm, not, I, I'm, not, I'm not in any way saying leaders are perfect or anything like that. But re there's such rampant rebellion in many of the people in the body of Christ. They think they can just say anything they want about leaders, about this and that. And sometimes they really have no idea of what they're talking about. And because many times leaders have to protect people, they can't tell you everything taking place. And the Lord, excuse me, not the Lord, the Satan will send demonically inspired people who tell you a story and a half about what's really going on. So, when things come, and we know, you know, you don't, you don't need to pray about when you know you're, you're not functioning and choosing the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> it's just very evident. <laughs> thankful. I'm so thankful for the people I have around me. Uh, about two, three years ago, I, I, was, um, I was in relationship with this particular leader, and I just... I'll be honest, I just could not stand being around them. Every time, and I said, Lord, I forgive them. I just, something would write. Now, I was discerning something, but I was like, why, why does this, it's like, I said, I think, I'm, I know I've forgiven them, but what's going on here, God? Your heart tells you stuff. It's discernment, but it's also an opportunity to adjust you. One of the greatest things I've ever learned working in ministry is that people are complex. Meaning someone can be gifted, anointed at something, or whatever. They do something really well, and then they are crazy in another area. So the important thing is I establish boundaries, address the craziness, but not release the judgment on them where I can't receive the strengths of what they have. It's not all or nothing with people. That's why he puts us in a group like this. 
Part of how we grow in the nature of God is the ability to work with other people. Sometimes I wonder if people, do you actually have relationships? Well, we've never had an argument. So you have relationships with people? Well, they're just, they're just not telling you what they think. We never have disagreements. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and discipleship, biblically, is never outside the context of community. That's why one of the, you'll see, that's abortive spirit. People just leave. You know, God called me here. I'm here. This is the greatest thing ever. Something happens or they're addressed or conflict happens or something they don't understand. And I'm not saying easy things happen when we're together. I'm leaving. Did God send you to leave? Oh, Lord Jesus. I've worked in ministries where if I didn't work there, I wouldn't be there, but the Lord sent me there. I've sent you here. You're going to learn honor. God, I wouldn't come to this church if I didn't work here. I know, just go, just do what I tell you to do. Again, my opinion does not matter. Anyway, finish the story, then I will land the plane. I talked to a father mother. See, counsel will save you. I said, why, why, why do you think I can't, get, like, I don't like being around this person. I just say it. I don't like being around them. He goes, oh, I'll tell you why. Oh, great. Thank you. This is going to help me. Revelation. He goes, the reason you don't like being around that person, it's not that you haven't forgiven them, is you think they're a hypocrite. They say one thing and do another, and the righteous side of you gets irritated when you're around them. Got it, boss. I could relate to that person now. Not judge him. I just now understood what was going inside my belief system and the discerning that was taking place and I could properly relate to them and love them in that moment. The light bulb has gone off in this room. God intended the Word in its various forms to have preeminence in our lives. My son, Proverbs 4, I am closing here, my fifth closing, but I'm, I'm going to close. My son, give attention to my words. What? Incline your ears to my saying. Psalm 119, verse 130. The opening of your word gives light. I love this. And it, the, the uh, New Life version says this. It gives understanding to the childlike. So it opens you up, but if you have a heart of a child, yes, okay, yes, Lord, I'll adjust. That's where your understanding comes. The Word of God, God excuse me, God is constantly speaking to His children. And it's an incorruptible seed that will come to bring, that's what Peter said, right? You've been born of incorruptible seed by the word of God. Amen. So God is constantly speaking. 
And the positioning of your heart determines how that seed of what he spoke to you will produce in your life. What steals it? If you don't wrap it with faith. This is, this is really, really I, I am almost closing, but this is important. I don't apologize for teaching long. Some of you watch movies for two and a half hours, got no problem. And you know what? You're warriors. I've never seen a warrior trained in 30 minutes. I always say sermonettes make Christianettes, and you're warriors. Faith, the Word of God. The Word of God is how you honor the Word of God. I haven't arrived in this, but I try and make it a focus in my life to honor the Word of God when it's being taught, when it's being spoken, and when it's being prophesied. Be very, very careful, especially in this culture where God is constantly speaking to people. I've been in meetings where God's speaking and people are like, what time's the meeting done? And they're not honoring the Word of God. You know what it tells me? Is they don't know how valuable that word can be for their life. I try and when I, when I hear other conference speakers, if I'm in another conference with someone, uh, last year I still remember there was something, these two couple, if I mentioned who they were, they, they, they taught that night and they taught something. It, it was, I remember going, I need to hear this, I need to hear this, I need to hear this. And when they got off, I just said, I just said to them, I received the word of God from the man and woman of God. Because I don't want a moment to go by where I don't honor the word. It's missing in America. It can be stolen when there's not faith wrapped around it. it. can be stolen when the, what was it say, the cares of this world... And notice it's not bad things. It's just like, well, you know, or we got to do this and we got to do that. Got to do that, you know. We'll, we'll make it at some point to that Sunday night prayer meeting. Sunday night's our family night. Not saying you can't have a family night, but many times when people say that, ain't no family thing going on. They're watching football, juniors on the computer, but they're having family night. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. You don't have to tell me what you value. It'll just be displayed in your life. Just apparent. What you spend your time doing and what you spend your money on is what you value. But he who sows the, so the word on good soil produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. Do you know what my, my goal is this? I get to choose the rate of exchange. So in Jesus' name, help me to be in that 100 fold return.
That's God's goal for you. It's equal opportunity, not equal fruit. And the sad truth is, sometimes people get mad at people who are producing fruit, but they have no idea the inward choices that they've made. And they secretly despise them and God for not doing what they think God should do for them. Receive this word. Thank you. Thank you for being patient. If you would, just lift your hands. Mm. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, because you're yours and you speak and you do. So we receive your word with gladness today. Anything that wasn't from you, let it fall to the ground. But every life-giving word, spring forth, God, and produce, produce, produce. Father, by the authority you've given me as a prophet in the kingdom of God, I call your people into greater purposes today. I say as they've heard your word, your word will come alive to them. Lord, I thank you that even though things might get difficult and even things might get stretching in their life, your word will stand forever. And we lean into what you've said about yourself according to Psalm 89, verse 34. Your covenant will you keep, nor will you alter the thing that comes out of your lips. And so we trust what's come out of your lips. We trust your written word. Thank you for, because your word is true. Your word is powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it's brought adjustment and life-giving change today. We stand not in our own strength, but we stand on the rock of our salvation. Not moved by what we see, but what you've told us. And we pray today, Lord, for our president, because you said to pray for all those in authority. We pray for Donald J. Trump, who you have put into office, not by the will of man, but by the will of God. We pray for his protection. We pray that you keep him, guide him, keep him from all evil, even today. We pray for our vice president, God. We pray for Vice President Pence, God. Thank you that you speak to him in a still, small voice, and you're amplifying that voice. We pray for this nation at a critical time. In the name of Jesus, as a prophet of the Lord, I just declare, God, that this nation is turning the corner even today into the purposes of God. And the people in this room, the people in this room, as Pastor Tom said earlier today, are here for such a time as this. We're here. We're here, God. We're here. We're here. We're here as your ambassadors. I see like a part of the great cloud of witnesses today, and they're standing, and they're watching, and they said, we pray for this time. We pray for this generation. Please take the baton. Please take the words we spoke and cause them to be fruitful. So we say, Lord, we receive the word of the Lord for this generation. We receive the reformation you're doing in the earth. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, fill us, fill us as vessels of honor, God. 
Pray for Vice President Biden, Lord. Would you allow him to become in his right mind, God? Every twisting, everything that has defiled his mind and his heart. We pray for even his son, his wife, his family, God. Bring restoration in that family, God. Forgive, forgive, God, even the body of Christ for saying slanderous things, God. Words of judgment, we break their power. May they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We thank you this week, God, that we'll see a sign that you're moving rapidly in this nation. Sign. We declare a rapid confirmation of Amy Comet Barrett to your Supreme Court as your righteous judge, God. Father, let us see people through your mercy and your lens. Thank you that you're releasing people of prophetic hope in the earth, God. Prophetic people of hope. There's just a release of the spirit of revelation in this room. Thank you, God. Just lift your hands one time. Receive! Now, in Jesus' name. You receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And now, Lord, would you release a baptism of fire in this room? Baptism of holy fire. Burning, burning, burning that which is not of you. Lord, uh, we once again confess that you are able to shift and to change any wrong thinking, any, any, any wrong mindset, any wrong alignment. You are free to burn, and we receive a baptism of fire here. We say today, God, like your servant Mary, let it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word over our lives, over our children's children. Let it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word over America. Let it be according to your word. We say that the word of God will be final authority in America. We say that every injustice, you're rolling back injustice in America. God, forgive the body of Christ for seeing things through religious, political spirit, God. Forgive the body of Christ for seeing things from an incorrect lens. But we, we ask for the grace to see and to legislate from the heavenly place from this day forward as never before. And we thank you, Lord, that today begins a season of supernatural harvest for Global River Church in every way. Amen. Uh, yeah. Would you give God praise?
God, we give you praise. Yeah, just give God praise. Everything you've done.